Good luck. Episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. Welcome to episode 70. 7 0. The big 7 0. At the age of being 70, you can, can go to a retirement home, I guess. <laughs> Good. Uh, does that mean our podcast is septagarian? Is that the term? Septagarian. I believe so. Not yeah. an octagarian, that's 80. No, not an octagarian, not a sectagarian, which I think is 60. You know, these age jokes are going to be, they're going to get morbid real quick. Once we hit 100, we're going to be over the life expectancy of the average human. That's right. I wonder what we're going to do when we hit episode 100. Probably nothing. <laughs> Probably nothing. But maybe we'll do something. Maybe we'll start season two. Then we'll just redo every one of our episodes from the beginning. I think <laughs> we're we deleting all the episodes and starting <laughs> from scratch. Delete every episode. We've made that joke before, but we're going to... I know. Watch out. We're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we make the joke enough that people start to believe it's real. Anyway. Anyway. Zach. Yes, Seth. How have you been? I've been well. I've been well. Have you been playing anything interesting? Snood. That... <laughs> is certainly interesting snood is a puzzle game seth i'm you aware remember. yeah 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 so for those who aren't aware snood is a puzzle game i don't know if there's anybody who's not aware yeah probably everyone's aware of snood because snood is ubiquitous as something like solitaire or <laughs> minesweeper I, I mean it was freeware isn't it freeware today it is still freeware yes but i mean it was distributed as freeware back when it first came out which speaking of which snood is an older game that's still available it was programmed by a man named dave dobson originally released 1996 for the mac os it was later ported to ms dos microsoft windows and Game Boy Advance. Ooh, that's fun. Snood is a fairly simple puzzle game. If anyone's familiar with Puzzle Bobble or uh, Bust a Move is another game very similar to it. Basically, the objective is you have to shoot these colorful objects at other objects and knock down those objects. These objects, by the way, in this game are called Snoods. So you have to match up four of them, at least in the normal game mode, and they get dislodged from their spot on the playfield. You have to kind of coordinate the way that you shoot them up into the playfield because sometimes you'll have pieces that you can dislodge for extra points sort of deal so it's it's more about making chains and breaking down as many as you can but if you get at least four you'll break them snood is free currently on steam though you can actually pay for a licensed copy of snood which has uh i think less like things to buy because like the free copy of snood has microtransactions ah licensed snood does not have microtransactions from my understanding do you want genre snood is part of it's a puzzle game so it's part of the puzzle game genre yeah i wonder if the classic gaming brothers ever did an episode we have never actually released an episode on puzzle games <laughs> and sometimes somebody needs to check his audio inputs before we record an episode well anyway yeah a snood is it is it's kind of like reverse tetris though right no it's like puzzle bobble <laughs> i guess i mean, I mean I guess, is it everything like, reverse tetris yeah i mean i guess like well, breakouts of reverse mean, Tetris, right? It, it yeah. means like things are up instead of down. Okay, so in, in, in regards to just simple orientation of the playfield, it is reverse Tetris, but it's Good. not Tetris in any sense other than that. Okay. 
What? Yeah. yeah, but it's like because breakout, the ball comes down to you and you have to bounce it. Yeah, breakout's like a variant of pong, um, right? Where you're you are you are ricocheting Snood, a ball. You are shooting things at a pile above you that has to yes. match. Yep, and then you're that breaks the pile of... apart. Does the pile get closer to you? Uh, it can. It depends on the difficulty setting. Ooh. So I, I think in the so when you play, no, but. Well, I was literally just playing uh, like a couple of the early rounds. It's one of those games that I really like where you can jump into play for like a half hour when you're on lunch and then you can jump off of it and get back to work. Yeah. And and it's not like there's anything that you have to remember what you're doing. Yeah, I've been playing Snood. Seth, what have you been playing? I have been playing or just finished playing. The Return of the Abra Din, which is a game that was developed by Lucas Pope, who also developed a game called Papers, Please, and it was released on October 18th of 2018. Oh, cool. I love this game. The saddest thing about this game is it is a one-time deal when you play through it. Well, I guess if you don't do it well, then you can play through it a couple more times. But if you like 100% the game the first time through, you really don't have to play the game again. But it is an amazing, amazing game. It is so amazing that if we did a top 10 games of the year, it would probably be one of my top contenders for my top list. Wow, maybe we can do a top 10 list for both of us come new year's i think that's a good idea i put it down in our notes so essentially the story starts off with the opera did this old man of war type ship showing up and resurfacing and you work for an insurance company so you have to go onto the ship and you have to piecemeal what happened in order to assess it appropriately now in order to do this you are equipped with a few things, like a journal that includes some photographs and a manifest, and you are equipped with a watch that allows you to go back in time and view a moment. And it is actually called like the Momento Morti, Morta? It's like the moment of death. And you use this notebook to, or you use this pocket watch to go back and view a moment of death of a member of the crew. As long as there's a corpse ended up on the ship, you could see their moment of their death. So you get these, essentially these static moments in time that you can explore and you can walk around and you have to determine how these people died or if they died. So there are 60 people on the crew and you have to go through and you have to correctly guess who they were, which which would be their also their position on the ship, uh, who they were and how did they die and how they died has to get to who as precise of like who killed them and with what. And you have to do that correctly for 60 people. You only know if you're correct if you guess three right so if you don't guess three right, it won't lock in and write in that what they what the things were right. So you could probably get through the whole portion of the story in about six hours. It took me probably about 15 hours to feel like I was finished because there's no rush. There's no time. You don't have to like accomplish everything immediately. You can kind of mull over things over and you can kind of guess things. And it's really, really cool, especially for being someone who's a fan of that time in history. It's also presented in kind of like a wireframe graphics, which is cool. So you kind of explore the ship and it's all very like old school wireframe graphics that have still like representative, but like the, the art style is just wild. Nice. It's, just, it's a wild, yeah, it's a great wild art style. I think one of the major complaints on the game is once you play it, it, it 
it's over. You can't erase your memory of the game so that you can't experience the game again. It's pretty exciting. It does sound exciting. I, I have had Oberdin on my list of games that I've been wanting to play, and I have not played it. So maybe you I You should will. play it. You should play it. It's really good. So Oberdin was like kind of in my like peripheral for a long time. Probably since it came out in 2018. It was on my peripheral. I was like, oh, that's a new game by Lucas Pope. That's kind of cool. He did Papers, Please. And so then like I was like just just the other month or so, I was like, man, I think I just want like a... I'm like, I'm going to try that Oberdin game. Like, it's like overwhelmingly positive reviews. Like, I think I'm just going to check it out and we see what it is. And I could not put it down. Literally could not put it down. It was so good. I'm, I I regret not picking it up sooner. Nice. So this episode... is not about Oberdin. It is not about Oberdin. We're snood. This episode is going to be about Star Fox. It is going to be about Star Fox. Not to be confused with Spy Fox. Nor Star Fox 64. This episode's about Star Fox, the OG, Super Nintendo version of Star Fox. The Super Nintendo Star Fox. Seth, what memories do you have of the Super Super Nintendo Star Fox. Uh, we did have some friends of the family that had a Super Nintendo. And I feel like when growing up, we had two, uh, we had some extended family. And then we had some friends of the family who had Super Nintendo. And it, when growing up, it was vital to understand who had what game system that you, when you go over, that you could play. And so I remember clearly two individuals who had Super Nintendos. One individual was our uh, extended family and one was a friend of the family uh so the one the friend of the family had star fox uh-huh. snes and it was good it was really it was a really good fun kind of mind-blowing regards to the graphics that were presented in the game um and the story and i feel like playing the game it then lied dormant and then when it came out on the 64 it was just like oh my god they took like they took the snes game and they like times it by a million for my childhood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Definitely. like what was nice was i feel like the snes version of the star fox game i felt like it was a good like prime the pump of my childhood so that i was like when the 64 version came out i was like full-on star fox fanboy yeah i i agree i i think i'm in a similar boat i mean um i also remember going over to that friend of the family's house and playing star fox i think it was one of the first 3d games that i remember seeing or at least right. one of the earliest ones Absolutely. on a console. So I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I saw like pseudo 3D, like Ravenloft Stone Prophet, um, which has a 3D style uh, setting or something like Chex Quest, which was built in the Doom engine, which is, you know, pseudo 3D. But this is the first time I saw like real 3D done the way it was on the Super Nintendo, or or really at all, in a video game. To me, it was impressive. I mean, I could tell, you know, it wasn't perfect, but at the same time, it was really cool to see. Yeah, and I think it's a pretty good point in regards to, like, the Super Nintendo and our at least my experience with like the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis was a lot of side-scrolling. Like, a lot of flat side-scrolling great games right like i'm not saying anything against sonic or mario or like those type of games where you know you go left to right and you jump on things and you action platform it even like star wars was an essentially most of like the super star wars series a lot of that was also side scrolling i think they did have some 3d aspects to it i think you have to like fly through like on a speeder that came out later yeah but, yeah, yeah but i feel like star fox was like hey this is a 3d game and you fly forward in space and it wasn't top down like the 
other cl- like classic shooters were like uh, Galaxian or 1942 where you control like a plane or a ship and you're like flying sh- shooting uh, Star Fox brought that view down behind the ship directly it felt less like you were flying above the ship and more like you were flying with the ship so yeah we, and you know we've talked about some big uh, Nintendo characters in past episodes I mean we've talked about Mario we've talked about Link but uh We've really yet to talk about the other guy, that flying fox, that anthropomorphic flying fox that flies the spaceships, has those robot legs. He does have robot legs. He's like Darth Maul. Yeah, he's like Darth Maul. We're talking about Star Fox. It's, you know, great, great, great game. Star Fox was originally released worldwide in 1993, and it was under the name Star Fox in both the Japanese and North American market. However, the PAL versions were known as Starwing. Now, I am aware that we do have some European listeners out there and some listeners over in England, and I'm I'm sure they can hear Star Fox and they can figure it out. But don't worry. We wanted to mention Starwing for you all. Um, and the Star Fox 64 in Europe was called Lilat Wars. So yeah, if you're a European listener, you might be familiar with that Starwing name, uh, but we, we're going to call it Star Fox during the course of this episode as Seth and I are located here in America. And uh, we are the, that's, you, just that's, that's just what, what the we're USA does. <laughs> so at least in terms of Star Fox's history, the game really came about as part of a close partnership with a company called Argonaut Software and Nintendo. That's a great name. And they're named from Jason and the Argonauts. The uh, Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah the, the legend. And I think actually they're inspired by the movie. Previously, Argonaut had worked on a prototype of a port of their game Star Glider to the Nintendo Entertainment System, and they called it Ness Glider. Now, they showed off Ness Glider to Nintendo, and Nintendo was very impressed, but actually advised them to move the development to the Super Nintendo. So they did just that, and they created a prototype called SNES Glider. How original. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Neither NES Glider nor SNES Glider ever saw release, despite Star Glider being a relatively popular game made by Argonaut. But the prototype utilized wireframe graphics and would eventually become the prototype for what would become Star Fox. So when presented to Nintendo, one of the programmers, Jez San, stated that this product would be as good as it gets without custom hardware they gave nintendo a product that was like this is what it is (laughs) unless unless something happens and you want to make it better yeah exactly so nintendo agreed they said you know what that makes a lot of sense so let's make it better they they wanted to make it better and they got to work on the super fx chip uh, which was born and shipped with every copy of Star Fox. So if you pop open your copy of Star Fox, which you don't need to do, but if you want to, there is a Super FX chip hidden inside. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool. The Super FX chip is really a cool development for the Super Nintendo. Ended up not only getting into Star Fox, but made its way into other cartridges as well and helped with the performance of the video games. And I just I just personally thought it was something really cool because it existed it was essentially an add-on that came with the cartridge like so they were able to essentially supercharge your super nintendo through a cartridge with a specific game and i just think it's kind of in a world of like digital downloads and stuff like that now it's kind of neat to have a modification on the hardware itself like you you won't get that today if i download a video game it's just gonna download it's not going to like install additional hardware to make my computer run faster to play a game or same with like the Xbox or the PlayStation. Like if you have a PS5 or an Xbox Series X or S uh, and you download a game 
or install it off of a CD or, well, I guess it's a, a DVD. <laughs> install <laughs> it off of a, a Blu-ray. If you install it off a of Blu-ray and uh, or you download it, it's not that Blu-ray or download is not going to supercharge your Xbox. Right, yeah. Well, which is so yeah. unique to the Super FX and to cartridge-based systems. I guess the Switch could maybe do something, but the Switch cartridges are kind of small to begin with there's not a lot of and well in the switch cartridges they function on they're essentially sd cards yeah they're just <laughs> so sd they, cards they, yeah they can't really do much. they can't do anything either but what's cool about i think the super fx chip is that it wasn't just this really neat device but it was also a great marketing ploy for nintendo um so on copies of Star Fox, you'll notice it has a little label on it saying super fx which really they didn't need to put on any of their games that had the super fx chip inside it didn't make any difference if you put it in your super nintendo you didn't need to do anything special to get it to run with the super fx chip they did it because it was a great marketing ploy because at the same time sega was saying that they had blast processing inside the sega genesis which didn't exist so <laughs> like nintendo well, actually sega had do with nintendo yeah nintendo actually had something physical that they could show for their marketing being like oh you want blast processing well we got this actual chip on our cartridges that we are proud to advertise and it worked and it worked so two of the games programmers dylan cuthbert and guy Miles Goodard, at one point while working on Star Fox, moved to Japan to work closer with Nintendo staff. Now, this sounds like a great idea on paper. In practice, though, maybe not the best idea <laughs> for, for these two individuals. It'd be great, right? You're an American developer. You're working with Japanese Nintendo. Why not go and work there to get more right. input from those who are controlling the creative direction of the game? Right. And it's not like Nintendo of America didn't exist. They did. But it's a lot easier when you're working on a product to work directly with the team and not rely through so many different channels. So, yeah, Dylan Cuthbert and Giles Goodard ended up going to Japan, moving to Japan, and started working in the Nintendo building. However, as they weren't officially employed by Nintendo, they weren't allowed to work with the rest of the staff. They actually had to work in a remote room located separately from the rest of the Nintendo, as Nintendo was incredibly paranoid that they would steal trade secrets. They were very, very scared that these individuals would, would steal their secrets and their designs and their like everything that they were working on so yeah not ideal they they wanted to work directly with the team and they did get to work with some of the team members but they weren't working there on a day-to-day -day basis they were in a separate room in fact the room they were in was the only room that shigeru miyamoto was allowed to smoke in so shigeru miyamoto would visit them uh frequently and he'd often give them ideas uh, shigeru miyamoto for those who don't know is the creator of mario apparently had a really bad smoking habit that he eventually kicked and it was so bad that nintendo basically said you have to have a room of your own to smoke in and this room of his own was the room that these staff members were put in oh, um, and miyamoto was in charge of star fox uh, yes like all of the design elements and all of that were Miyamoto. So essentially, for Dylan Cuthbert and, and Giles Goodard, two Americans, who decided that they would want to work in Japan to be closer to the company that they were worked with. They weren't even members. They're essentially contractors. And they were shoved into a room that was the smoking area for a chain smoker. So for as long as they worked on that project, like, well, you can't go back to your company and be like, oh, hey, the guy who's running the project is just constantly in our room. Like, <laughs> you're, the company's gonna be like, great. Be like, like, no, he's constantly chain smoking in my room. There is a, a Netflix series called High Score where uh, Dylan and uh, Giles give 
some commentary in regards to this treatment that they received when they went to Nintendo. So I recommend if you haven't watched that series to check it out. Though they they do mention that Miyamoto would occasionally come in and just watch them and start talking about like trees and things like that because he was a very creative mind, they he, realized. Yes, yeah. And would go off on these tangents and that was part of his creativity. And he is, I mean... Shigeru Miyamoto is still alive. So. Un- undeniably, he's a genius uh, yes. in terms of his ideas. Now, Star Fox was not the first Nintendo game to use 3D graphics. Uh, that game actually belongs to a game called X that was released on the Nintendo Game Boy in 1992, which was developed by Argonaut Studios. So Argonaut and Nintendo had a pretty good relationship as that they developed X on the Game Boy and then they worked on Nintendo's second game to use 3D graphics and that was Star Fox for the Super Nintendo and Star Fox was the first game by Nintendo to use polygonal graphics which polygonal graphics as much as they're out of favor nowadays were really really important to the construction of 3d games in the beginning a lot of the polygonal graphics were used for sprites and for character identification some great games like final fantasy 7 uses polygonal graphics uh alone in the dark (laughs) uses polygonal graphics i'm just thinking of random games that use polygonal graphics but some very like staple games and some non-staple games used polygonal graphics and polygonal graphics really helped move 3d 3d graphics from like wireframe to polygonal to what we're getting to now which is a little more uh, meshed, I guess. Now, Miyamoto was uh, the creative lead on Star Fox, and a lot of the items within Star Fox came from Miyamoto's mind, though Miyamoto's mind drew influence from various things that he encountered. Uh, So, in fact, the R-Wings that Fox and company flew were inspired by the X-Wings, which from Star Wars. And (laughs) (laughs) just in case anyone was wondering where the X-Wings come from, which I actually think is fun because I remember in one of of my clear memories of Star Fox, at least with the Star Fox 64, is one of the, the first missions where you're coming in and you have to open up your wings. Yes. That is like part of like an X-Wing thing too. Like X-Wings have to open up their attack wings when they're yeah, flying they're S-foils. In. They're, they're S-foils. So I think that's like, I think that's like a, a subtle nod to Star Wars and the R-Wings being that they have to have a different flight mode when they go into close combat versus when they're in space. We also talked way, way back in Classic Gaming Brother history in episode 10 uh which was the iconic video game characters episode and it is one of our better classic episodes i would say i think so very popular and in that episode we talk about how star fox was inspired by the fushimi and naritashi shrine which hopefully i didn't butcher too bad this shrine has a statue of a a kitsune which is a fox in japan and the actually the gates to the shrine itself would eventually inspire miyamoto to design gates in star fox that the player would have to fly through and you have to avoid this so you can not hit either side the the gates at the fushimi inaritashi shrine are so um for those who don't know, the shrine is a Shinto shrine, which is a religion in Japan. It's very spiritual religion with a lot of um, different spirits that embody different things in life. Um, and a lot of the spirits are also represented by different animals, such as the kitsune, which is a fox. Often they're regarded as like messengers. Um, this is my 
general knowledge of world religion coming into play but um the 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 actual gates themselves are really cool so there it's like a row of gates and it almost looks like a tunnel of gates so it's like gate 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 repeated over and over and over again it's like someone did a copy and paste in photoshop and dragged it along um so it's this kind of like tunnel of gates that lead to the outer part of the shrine when you're inside of it and it's uh very 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 aesthetically pleasing looking in terms of photographs and such but i'm sure very very inspirational for for people um who are there in person and very difficult to fly through with a spaceship yeah it's uh, roughly a thousand of them i believe and that that inspired miyamoto to make those gates replicated in the the game itself to fly through as challenges so he was inspired to have the fox to be the main character he was interested in making not a traditional science fiction game uh, he didn't want humans robots monsters and all that to be in his game he wanted something unique and something that was uh different so drawing once again on the shrine he wanted to have a fox as the main character though he always wanted it to be star fox and not kitsune which is the japanese word for fox so fox mcleod was always going to be star fox using additional japanese lore he would bring in eventually a bird and a hare to be the other protagonist with fox and there was also a member of the nintendo's ead which is the entertainment analysis and development division who had a toad as their personal mascot and thus the fourth protagonist was born and falco peppy and slippy were all created or at least inspired to be created there's also a japanese expression about fighting like dogs and monkeys thus general pepper became a dog and the villain andros is a monkey now there's also a weird um, I, I wouldn't say weird but so miyamoto also had a fascination for uh, puppets and thunderbird specifically which is a british puppet drama mm. so when they were shooting the marketing material a lot of the early box art and posters actually have puppets as representation of the four pilots and i think that's cool that there's somewhere out there there's just puppets of like fox and falco and i imagine they are so badly damaged at this point like I or can, pristine or condition pristine condition but imagine how many like trade shows and stuff those guys got carried around too so in terms of the actual gameplay of star fox star fox plays uh as a third person rail shooter the game plays very similarly to other rail shooters that were out at the time and earlier such as space harrier which was a popular rail shooter available on the sega genesis now rail shooters also are very similar to 2d vertical shooters like 1942 or zevius um or i think it's zevius but they are in a 3d format whereas 1942 is a top-down setting where your airplane is going up this is from behind the ship, or you can actually switch to first-person mode. You fly through different settings on different planets or in different space settings, such as asteroid fields and such, where you combat a wide variety of enemies. Um, often they take the form of like bug-like crafts. That's what I always thought they looked like. Like Sometimes they look like moths flying around. And at the end of, um, I'm pretty sure most of the stages, there's a boss that you have to battle, and uh, the boss will break up into different sections. So like the first boss kind of looks like a big uh, like a vacuum cleaner <laughs> i don't really know how to describe it it looks like a it looks like a box uh but then you break it and like pieces fall off of it and it reveals new points of damage as well as new um weapons and stuff so the boss is kind of constantly shifting as you destroy it so the game uh, has three branching pathways and each pathway represents different difficulties the 
easiest being uh, for beginners and the hardest being for maybe veteran players. This not only allowed for replayability, but it also offered returning players the chance to experience the game in an entirely new way. So like, for example, me, when I was playing Star Fox first as a kid, I probably played through the beginning or maybe even the uh, like medium difficulty settings every now and then. But now returning to it as an adult, I, I actually get to experience the, the hardest difficulty uh, I, I was playing through it recently and I was playing the hardest difficulty really for the first time. So it's a whole new experience, you know, trying it out that way. That's replicated throughout Star Fox 64 as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Branching pathways as well. So in the game, you play as Fox McCloud, who is an anthropomorphic fox and the leader of a starfighter squadron known as Star Fox, uh, which acts as the aerial defense force for the planet Corneria in the Lilat system. These are all names and stuff being tossed around. <laughs> I, I, have, I, have, I have a serious question question i have a half serious answer so they're anthropomorphic creatures right but there's a mixture of like aggressive and not aggressive creatures right because you have like you have like slippy's a toad but fox is a fox yes so i assume everything but a monkey is because monkeys is andros right so no monkeys but so then so he's star fox he's the Mm -hmm. leader of this squadron that makes up this aerial defense force so there's other squadrons in the aerial defense force there are so do you think that maybe there are other creatures leading the different forces i think so I don't think and it's there just might foxes. be like do you think there's like an anthropomorphic like walrus and th- there might be so. a star like what would you a star walrus star walrus that's a star it can't be star wolf because that's actually a thing star wolf is a thing they're the like he's, he's op, a villain they're like the anti-star fox yeah who are all wolves or just one no, wolf no, no, and no, no. no it's star wolf makes is um it's led by wolf but yeah i know it's led by wolf but they're not all. Was wolves. he also was he also part of the aerial defense force? Why no. is he calling his place? He's just Star Wolf. Uh, Star Wolf is Andros's squadron. Yeah, but like, what, do they just put Star in front of any squadron? I think is he just did the... it. I think he just did it to be an ass. Oh, <laughs> well, that makes sense. So in in the initial game, at least in in the the story is that there's an evil scientist named Andros who is a monkey, and he's exiled to the planet of Venom. And on Venom, he decides that he's going to launch a full scale war against the rest of the lilat system um he's going to launch this war against corneria and all the other planets so he creates this massive army and he sends out his army to go wreak havoc so it's up to fox and fox's team to save the day now fox's team is commanded by general pepper who's this he's a dog and then there is falco lombardi who is a bird peppy hare who is a rabbit and slippy toad who is a toad or as i wrote a jerk <laughs> i didn't write that i wrote a meaner word but he is a jerk he always gets like he always gets a Act and you have to say i wouldn't him. say he's a jerk i would say he's incompetent he's a competent that makes him a jerk <laughs> falco's kind of a jerk actually falco like falco's a jerk falco slippy's if you, if just Slippy's just stupid. If you try to save Falco, he'll get mad at you. So yeah, you must stop Andros's army, and in turn, you have to stop Andros at the end. And you do so by piloting the ships called R-Wings, and you can upgrade your ship via various different status effects throughout the level, so you can grab, like, double blasters, or you can gain a, like, bomb upgrade, because you can launch bombs and stuff, so various different upgrades, and all the like you would have in a a space shooter. Well, so, to do the numbers, uh, start... <laughs> uh, Star Fox was well received into the market. In fact, as soon as it was released, it was deemed a commercial success. Nice. And by the end of the first year on the market, Nintendo sold 1 million units in the US and in Japan. And by 1988, that number increased four times. 
for a total of 4 million units because 4 times 1 is 4. And four, uh, 4 million units worldwide. Many accredit the use of 3D video game graphics in later games back to Star Fox, for Star Fox was a pioneer of the technology and showed what could be done with video games it, uh, down to a system like the NES, SNES. Uh, Entertain, Entertainment Weekly stated, this the first game to incorporate Nintendo's Super FX chip, this pseudo 3D space shooter moves so fast that it practically qualifies as virtual reality. Now, I wonder how it matches up against Cyberflix's Dust. That's a great question. I wonder if the guy who reviewed Dust, who was like, nothing's going to get better than this, played Star Fox and was like, okay, I think something got better than this. Okay, now taking what uh, Entertainment Weekly said about Star Fox real quick and saying it, it moves very fast and it's practically virtual reality. And yes, I am coming from the experience of playing modern virtual reality games. I will say that Star Fox, the original, is not a very fast game. <laughs> Played on original hardware, it does kind of chug. <laughs> it, 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 yes, the Super FX chip did speed up the game considerably from what probably they could do without the super effects chip but i will say that it's yes it's very impressive for the time it's still you if you were new to star fox and you've never played star fox before you probably want to play 64 <laughs> that's just my recommendation also if you didn't get get the cyberflix dust joke you can go back and listen to our titanic episode uh, so star fox was not only a successful game but it became a well-established nintendo franchise fox has made appearances in other games such as Super Smash Brothers and Starlink, The Battle of Atlas, and has also appeared in sequels for his own games. Actually, the first sequel, which was developed in 1995, was not released in 1995. <laughs> it was Star Fox 2. It was originally canceled. The game was developed for the SNES and was designed to be a direct follow-up for the first game, since the first game was very successful. It was planned to add new characters, new abilities for the R-Wing ships, and more branching storylines. And it got canceled and never got released for the SNES. It's true. However, there were some ROM leaks that happened, and the game did see the light of day. And then, September 29th, 2017, Star Fox 2 was officially released by Nintendo on the Super NES Classic Edition and available on the Switch. That's right. Yeah, you can actually play it now. So if you have the Switch and you have Nintendo Online service, you can go through the yep. Super Nintendo um, like virtual console thing they have. And Star Fox 2 is available for you to play. Yes, it is. And if you have a Super Nintendo Classic Edition, you can play it there. And uh, Star Fox 2 is really cool because not only does it kind of show you where they got some of the ideas for what became Star Fox 64, but it's also just generally a pretty impressive game. I mean, it's a really good follow up, I think, to Star Fox. It does introduce things like Star Wolf and the R-Wing transforming into a walker or a tank, um, which might sound familiar to people who are fans of Star Fox 64. So the first released sequel to Star Fox was Star Fox 64, which not only took some elements from Star Fox 2, but also kind of worked as a reboot of sorts to the character and the overall story. Uh, following Star Fox 64 was Star Fox Adventure for the Nintendo GameCube, which fun fact is a reskinned version of a game called dinosaur planet which had nothing to do with star fox uh star fox adventure is not a space shooter at all it's actually an action adventure game where you play as fox on a planet full of dinosaurs now fun fact about dinosaur planet this year 
2021, a leaked ROM of the original Nintendo 64 version of Dinosaur Planet, I believe right in the transition period when they started putting Star Fox characters into it, was made available via um, someone who found a development kit for the original version. So, with the help of emulators such as Project 64, you can download Dinosaur Planet and play it for the very first time. Yeah, or you can get Star Fox Adventures. Which is a completed game. And play Dinosaur Planet as Fox. Is it any good? Uh, I played a little bit of it. It's okay. It's not a bad action-adventure game. It just is not really... a star fox game i mean it's not a space shooter so no (laughs) yeah other titles in the star fox franchise include star fox assault star fox command star fox guard and star fox zero all of these titles are pretty much sticking to the formula of the 3d rail shooter besides star fox guard that is a tower defense game but it was star fox guard was also bundled with star fox zero to date though excluding star fox 2 in 2017 the last star fox game was star fox zero and star fox guard both of which came out in 2016 those are the last games currently in the series so i think there's they they probably may i think they'll probably revisit star fox i definitely can see them revisiting star fox he's a solid ip and i think with things like the switch being as popular as it is i think there's a room for star fox to grow on the switch we'll probably come back to star fox and talk more at length about star fox 64 later if you're excited about 3d rail shooters i am in a couple of weeks we may be talking about them some more not star fox though there was a canceled star fox game that was going to be an arcade game kind of weird there wasn't an arcade star fox game i will say i mean it definitely came out in that period where i think there were less arcade games anyway but it almost was like made for arcade games i mean they're hard games so you can definitely have made just made star fox harder and then charged money for it so there were um in fact three canceled star fox games that i just want to talk about just a little bit so there was star fox warriors which was going to be a warriors game with star fox characters oh like dynasty warriors dynasty warriors for those who don't know are like big scale battle games not like real-time strategy you play as like one guy who has to wipe out an entire army. yeah so you you'd play as you would play as star fox yeah that makes sense <laughs> or well yeah, as star fox you would play as fox mcleod i just calling it's like calling um samus metroid <laughs> you play as metroid jim rayner starcraft <laughs> oh it's true <laughs> he's the titular character so you would play as fox mcleod and you would you would play in a dynasty warriors type game yes okay this was that sounds bad this never got past the design stage another canceled game was a companion game for star fox assault and it was abandoned and never released it was supposed to be released in 2004 and 2005 and it was going to be for the uh, arcade so star fox assault is a 3d scrolling shooter for the gamecube so they were going to release an arcade version of it but never came out yeah. They, never, they never put it together. Bummer. And the one game that I'm very disappointed that didn't come out is Star Fox or the Virtual Boy. So, in fact, there was a tech demo for Star Fox for the Virtual Boy. And it actually, um, in the tech demo, during both E3 95 and the uh, CES 95, the demo actually showed an R-Wing doing various spins and motions. And... It was very close to being a Star Fox game for the Virtual Boy, but uh, they never adopted it for the game. Well, probably because the Virtual Boy was a um, cataclysmic failure. 
Mm. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. Also, I was wrong. Apparently, Star Fox was not called Star Wing because of another game called Star Fox. It was called Star Wing because there was a company called Star Vox. Star Vox? Yeah, it was a German company. Well, they didn't want to confuse Star Fox with Star Fox. Why would you confuse a German company with a game with a flying fox in it? Well... So th- that's going to be our Star Fox episode. That's going to be a Star Fox episode. A, 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 a great game. I love Star Fox. It's one of those games that I revisit every now and then, and I um, always have a good time playing it. Uh, it's yeah. Star Fox is great, as well as for its uh, amazing like one-liners, like, use the boost to get through. Yeah, but those are from Star Fox 64. It's Star Fox 1. It's the... It sounds like weird noises. But Star Fox, Star Fox 64 does have some good one-liners. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into our by weight pass segment our buwipa segment as 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 we call it um this is the section of the podcast where we're going to talk about games that we are interested in buying waiting or passing on seth the game that i am excited about by waiting or passing on is a game called season which is being developed and published by scavenger studio now in season you explore the world through the eyes of a young woman as she travels around on her bicycle along the way you collect artifacts and memories uh before a mysterious cataclysm washes everything away uh it looks like a really cool game uh it looks very very chill which I like. Very atmospheric. It doesn't look like there's any combat. So I would describe it as a, like, Breath of the Wild, but without combat. The setting is described as a quote-unquote surreal version of the mid-20th century, where thousands of years have passed without any progress. And also, I think the idea of the game is you're collecting these artifacts and memories because you're trying to figure out what caused the stagnation of human history and what, like, potentially could happen in the future uh season looks like a great game um again very i love the art it, again very much reminds me of breath of the wild so one of the things i liked about breath of the wild is it did something really cool with the uh with the graphics it's kind of a combination of realistic graphics along with cell shaded you know effect to them and i think the way they did that is they 3d modeled everything with a kind of realistic design to them and then they overlaid a cell shaded effect to it um and this oh kind of like scanner darkly Yes, I'm pretty sure like Scanner Darkly, <laughs> that obscure movie <laughs> no one remembers. <laughs> Using a rotoscope? Yes, I think kind of similar to that. So uh, this looks in that kind of vein, um, kind of like a cell-shaded world that you explore around. The release date is currently just coming soon, so I don't know when it's going to be out. That being said, I'll probably put it down as a buy. It looks really neat. I definitely want to give the game a shot. Um, I I really like open-world games, and I like open-world games where I don't have to worry about being killed by things. Um, I like like big open worlds where I can just kind of do my own thing. And I like the idea that you bicycle around. It looks fun. So I'll put it down as a buy. Seth, your turn. What I'm excited about buying, waiting, or passing is uh, Tin Can, which is a, a game that's developed and published by Tin Can Studio. So it's a game where you got out of your exploding spaceship and you're in an old escape pod and you are hurtling through space and you have only a complicated technical manual to keep yourself alive while this, your old escape pod falls apart. Uh, so I saw it on Reddit, actually. Actually, I think one of the developers actually posted it. I should hit them up. But uh, so I saw it on Reddit and they were uh, showing it off the, the the game. And I was like, that looks kind of interesting. And then I started watching like screenshots and I was like, yeah, this actually looks really cool and yeah it's it's gonna probably be a buy 
the, it's just the concept of like the survival game and being stuck in like a little teeny escape pod and like trying to like be anxiety ridden while like trying to keep things working while things are exploding just intrigues me i think it's it's a lot of it looks like it's a lot of fun there's a lot of comments and stuff about just like playing it and then just like dying within the first couple of hours so like i'm i'm looking forward to uh seeing how that goes and uh try to survive as long as possible in a escape pod i like the name it reminds me a lot of um that david bowie song space oddity seth i'm gonna take it on home let me take it on home so i'm gonna tell you how you can uh listen to us contact us and support us so let's start off with listening to us as we make the joke in every single episode you already listened to us so congratulations you're still listening to us but no seriously if you do want to let people know how they can listen to us then you can tell them that they can listen to us on any podcasting application out there because we are available on virtually all of the podcasting applications i say virtually because i don't actually know how many podcasting applications are there i assume a lot anyway we're on a majority of them if there's a podcasting application we're not on let us know we'll try to get on it as best as we can but we do appreciate you listening to us on whatever application you are listening to us on be it spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, itunes so now you want to contact us well maybe you want to contact us because you found the best podcasting application in existence and we're not on it so it's not the best podcasting application because we're not on it so what you need to do is you need to go to our website you need to go to our contact form and you need to fill that out and then you need to put in your information and an email will be sent to us now to get to our website Seth, you go to classicgamingbrothers.com another thing you could do is send us an email directly to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com or classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com or seth at classicgamingbrothers.com or zach at classicgamingbrothers.com again all of those go to the same inbox uh, and we appreciate any email that you sent to us. You know, let us know if you like the podcast, if you don't like the podcast, if you want to hear a certain topic talked about on the podcast, if you um, have a certain opinion about a topic, if maybe something isn't quite, uh, maybe we said something that's not quite accurate and you maybe want to correct us, feel free. We have gotten corrections before and we read out corrections when we get them. So, which thankfully has been rare, but. Anyway, reach out to us and we'll be glad you did. If you do reach out to us, you'll be entered into a chance to win a free video game. So be sure to do that so we can send you a free video game. And uh, now if you want to support us, you're already supporting us because you're listening to us. And the really the best way to support us is to continue listening to us as well as also letting your friends know that we are a podcast that you like. You know, tell three friends is what we always say. But in reality, if you just tell someone that you know that you like the podcast we appreciate it um you know just just getting the word out about the podcast is all you need to do to support us uh, but there's some other ways you can support us one is by reaching out to us that's a great way to support us just letting us know that you listen to us you know that lets us know that uh you know you care about the topics or there's a topic that you want to hear all those are useful um, pieces of information you can also like and subscribe and uh, ring bells and rate us on various applications so make sure to do that uh, you can of course follow us on all of our social media on facebook and instagram we are classic gaming brothers on twitter we are cg brothers pod you can also follow us on twitch twitch.tv forward slash classic gaming brothers uh, you can follow our youtube channel there's plenty of ways you can get in touch with us uh, we also have a store. Don't feel like you have to go to that store and buy anything. But if you do want to buy some merchandise, we do have some available. And that's on our website, Classic Gaming Brothers. 
dot com. Yeah, I gotta work on that. Well, besides you having to work on that, is there anything else that you would like to add? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. And we have been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, that's right. right. You're supposed to get through. No, that's the N64 version. You have to say...